Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome to this episode of the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the people, the food, the culture, and the history of the state of Israel. Hey, if this is your first time watching, don't forget to hit the uh, the like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell. And if you want to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. And as always, this episode is brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards. The best way to learn Hebrew, the best way to brush up on Hebrew. Um, They're available on Amazon for Kindle. If you don't have it, you can get it downloaded onto, you can get the app on... uh, on Android, uh, iPhone, iPad, Mac, PC, and yeah, it, you can download it. The descriptions below, uh, the links below in the description. Wow, fumbled that one a little bit. Um, <laughs> hey, welcome back to the show. Um, all right, so we're going to continue on with a city that I am in love with, Yafo, and this is part two. Um, this is the modern city. And where do we start the modern city? We start it with, uh, usually on this show, we start it with the, uh, with the establishment of the state and the subsequent war that followed. Um, all right. So as you know, Yafo, which I, and I, this is the best description I can give you of it. It is, um, it is a, the oldest port uh, in the country, I'm pretty sure it's a Southern, uh, port. It's the oldest port. Um, and it is, uh, famous for its association with the biblical stories of Jonah Solomon and for, uh, Christians for St. Peter, as well as the mythological story of Perseus and Andromeda. Um, and it is a magical Mediterranean port city that has seen the footprints of every major and minor empire in the region. Uh, so as I said, we start off with the war for independence. We end with the mandate and I'm going to run right into that. And in 1947, the uh, UN Special Commission on Palestine originally recommended that Yafo be included in the portion to be assigned to the planned Jewish state. Um, the commission quickly backpedaled, though, due to the large Arab majority. And as logistically flawed as this proposal was, they instead designated Yafo as a part of the proposed Arab state in the 1947 UN partition plan for Palestine. I mean, think about it. It is right smack in the middle of the land that was supposed to be apportioned to the Jewish state. So it it, it, it was almost untenable from the start. Now, regardless of the fact that the UN commission took the Arab population into account, um, the Arab higher committee uh, declared a three-day strike and public protest 
to begin on December 2nd, 1947, and following the passing, and this was following the passing and the public release of the uh, UN partition resolution. These protests, though, they quickly devolved into violence. Um, and outside of the personal safety of its citizens, the city of Yafo also had concerns with regard to the protection of their citrus fruit export trade. Now, this is really important. Um, I found out in the, uh, in the research how uh, important this, you know, Yafo oranges, they're, uh, they're generate a lot of money for both, um, the Arab community and the Jewish community at this time. Um, these concerns were put to rest though, by a bilateral orange picking and exporting agreement that although was not a formal agreement, um, it kept trading for all parties involved. And, and, and that's, I, it's funny. Everything goes BS crazy and they're able to still come together to do this. It's, 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 what do you, what do you call it? It's both sides of it are just, it's, it's interesting, silly, confusing, but at its core, pretty cool that they were able to do this. I don't know. So in the lead up to Israel's war for independence, at the very beginning of 1948, the Muslim Brotherhood, who was out of Egypt, I don't know if you guys know that, had a company of approximately 400 fighters in place in Yafo in preparation for what they saw as the eventual hostilities. Now, while their main purpose would be to engage with um, Israel's forces in the upcoming conflict, um, until then, they spent the majority of their time, it was reported, uh, harassing the local Arab and Jewish population as they waited for the fighting to kick off. So that's one thing that's kind of interesting is Egypt and the Muslim Brotherhood, they saw the Arabs in the region, in the region, in the Levant, in what would become Israel as tools, what the Arabs in mandatory Palestine as tools um, for getting whatever they wanted. So um, it, it, it sucks, basically. It sucks for the Arab population there, but... By the same token, the Arab population uh, went in full, you know, they they put all their cards down and said, yeah, let's do this. Um, so on the 4th of January, 1948, the Jewish paramilitary group Lehi uh, detonated a truck bomb outside of a building known as the Saraya which was the former Ottoman administrative building in Yafo that at the time housed the Arab National Committee. So this is important. It wasn't a far walk. They weren't talking to the Arab National Committee and they were kilometers, miles away um, or in another country. They were right there in Yafo. Um, now, while the Saraya, as well as a number of other nearby buildings were destroyed, the majority of the 26 who had died in the blast were not connected to the Arab National Committee, but were instead passerbys, passersby, uh, as well as the staff of a food distribution program uh, for poor children that was also in the same building. And luckily, children were not present during the attack to, since it took place 
um, on a Sunday. I don't know if any children were hurt. Um, I'm just saying that in this instance at that office, that wasn't the case. Um, now, as a result of this violence um, and the violence that seemed to be continually coming to the city, um, in February 1948, Yafo Mayor Yusuf Haikal reached out to uh, then-provincial government leader David Ben-Gurion um, through a British intermediary and tried to secure a peace agreement between the Arab forces bunkered in the city and the Haganah, um, which were the Jewish forces under Ben-Gurion's leadership. Now, this attempt at peace failed, though, due to the strident opposition uh, from the commander of the Arab militia in Yafo, and a course was set for eventual confrontation between Arab and Jewish forces. And I have to be honest, I think that's what Lehi wanted. I think that's why they destroyed the Saraya building, um, because it put David Ben-Gurion in a position where he would eventually have to fight the Arabs. Um, that's, that's my view of it from above. So... Um, this, confronta uh, this confrontation, though, started on April 25th, 1948, these eventual hostilities, when the Irgun launched their offensive on Yafo. For three days, the Irgun unleashed a devastating mortar barrage in which 20 tons of high-explosive rounds were sent onto the Arab forces' uh, fighting positions. Um, this volley of continuous fire led the British government on April 27th to confront the Irgun and end the shelling out of fear of a repeat of the mass exodus from Haifa during fighting the week before. Uh, <coughs> um, excuse me. The British were successful in getting the Irgun to, to end the mortar fire, but unbeknownst to the British at the same time as the Irgun offensive, the Haganah had launched Operation Hametz, a combat operation that overran the villages to the east of Yafo and cut the town off to supplies and reinforcements from the interior. So here's the interesting thing. So I don't know if you guys understand it, but I have to parse a lot of this information and double, triple, sometimes quadruple research the information because a lot of the information has it. And as we'll see, you know, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks, um, there, there is this David and Goliath narrative that exists between Jewish forces, be they Israel, be they pre-state Israel, um, and the Arab population. They always denote that the Jewish forces are military or paramilitary, but they always describe the Arab forces as Arabs. They never, um, assign a militaristic aspect to the to to the individuals that they're discussing and i have to tell you straight up that that is a bullshit narrative um were there instances where the air goon attacked civilians yes were there instances where the arabs attacked civilians yes but bottom line this entire time not just the 1948 independence war but the two years of rioting before that and the numerous rioting in 1921 i think it was 1929 all of these these are all hallmarks of a war a civil unrest that has a military component to it and i try very hard 
to give you the most objective point of view on it. And the reason I do that is because I was in the military for 10 years. I know when I read something and I talk about it, um, if it's hinky, if it's fishy, I look a little more into it. And a lot of times my instincts tell me the right thing. There are instances when there are bad things done, but and I, when I say I'm, I'm minimizing by saying bad things, there are times when there are atro atrocities, you know, I'm not going to take the thing. Yeah, but there are atrocities on both sides. No, there are times when the Ergun and Lehi did deplorable acts, terroristic attacks, um, and they're not defendable they're indefensible but is that outweighed by the vast majority of operations that the Haganah did is that outweighed by the response of David Ben-Gurion and uh, Moshi Dayan in corralling the Ergun and Lehi um, yeah I think so if you don't agree with that that's your position that's your right um, but that's what I'm trying to give there you go um all right so uh what do we have we have yafo has now been cut off let me take a quick sip of coffee uh peter j hats this is for you mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. all right so uh sorry about that i well i'm not sorry about it i'm sorry for deviating from the story but i thought it was really important to put that perspective out there um and there you go so we're at the end of uh the what would be called the siege of yafo by jewish forces during uh during the war for independence now the population of yafo on the eve of the ergun attack was between 50,000 and 60,000, with some 20,000 people already having had left uh, the town before the attack. Um, and by April 30th, there were 15,000 to 25,000 people remaining. And in the following days, a further 10,000 to 20,000 people fled by sea. Um, it's a port town. Now, when the Haganah finally took control of Yafo after the city's surrender on the 14th of May, the population had dwindled to around 4,000 people. I think it was actually, I read a number, it was 3,800, a little more than 3,800. Now, during the months of fighting, Yafo had been left in ruins and, uh, and the houses that remained and the numerous warehouses that sat along the harbor had mostly all been looted. Now, I don't know if you guys uh, listened to the last one, but uh, right before, during uh, the Arab Civil War, uh, the Arab uh, unrest that occurred before the war, um, we're talking about, yeah, like right around 19, during the mandate, basically. Uh, the British destroyed from north to south an entire row and I'm talking a huge row of homes from border to border in the city. And they also did it from, uh, I think it was east to west. So Yafo was in shambles. Now, eventually, uh, with the end of the war, peace again returned to Yafo. And with it, so did some of its residents. Um, since the riots of 1921, 1929, and 1936 to through to 1939, Jews had begun an exodus out of Yafo. 
And by the end of 1947, Jewish properties had been entirely abandoned. Um, it was only after the state of Israel was founded that Jewish immigrants again returned to settle in Yafo. Um, and today, modern Yafo has a mixed population of Jews, Christians, and Muslims, with a total of 46,000 residents, of whom 30,000 are Jews and 16,000 are Arabs. So there has been an Arab return to Yafo um, and a lot of Arab culture that has thrived in Yafo for centuries um, has been allowed to grow and it has. It's, it's a really beautiful, amazing city because of that, that mix of Jewish culture, Israeli culture, and Arab culture. Now, from the 1990s onwards, efforts uh, have been made to restore the old city and to turn Yafo into a tourist destination by restoring its old buildings and encouraging the opening of art galleries, theaters, souvenir shops, restaurants, sidewalk cafes, and promenades. And many artists, uh, a friend of mine, uh, has also done this, have moved their studios from Tel Aviv to the old city as well as to the Yafo port, the American German colony, and the flea market areas. Uh, the, municipal, the municipality of Tel Aviv Yafo is also currently in the process of beautifying and modernizing Yafo's port area and promenade. So this is one of the things that I left out. Yafo is part of, uh, it's not its own city anymore. It is Tel Aviv Yafo, um, which is really kind of cool uh, because it allows it to have access to larger resources. Um, but it is such a different city from Tel Aviv. And now I'm going to tell you about all, uh, some of the cool things, some of the major highlights um, in Yafo. So uh, the first one that I'm going to tell you about is the Yafo uh, Theater, which is basically the best way to describe it is it is a stage for Arab Hebrew culture. And this award-winning Yafo, the award-winning Yafo Theater offers something quite special and quite rare, a stage for Arab Hebrew culture. Now, inside the multi-arched building in Old Yafo, is a space that invents its own unique theatrical language to challenge the cultural divisions that have been drawn in the past. Uh, two theater companies work together and independently in Hebrew and Arabic to show how the culture can be so similar in some ways, yet different and special in others. Uh, so if you want, come and experience one of their four major annual festivals and feel the cultural unity occurring under one roof. And that is so badass. That is so cool. Um, I told you about how, and, and I do, I tell you about all these cities have these histories of violence that go back even before, uh, biblical times and, and to see that, that, that this, uh, culture of, communication and uh, working together is still being even attempted when things at their darkest seem as if they're never going to happen is really cool. So, um, all right. So next we'll move on to the Yuffo flea market and many visitors favorite thing to do while in town is have a rummage through Yuffo's flea market in search of a special treasure. 
to bring home for uh, shoppers and sightseeing tourists alike. The market is one of the greatest joys of a visit to Yafo. If you look hard enough and are lucky enough, um, you could indeed find a real gem. And of all the places to work your haggling skills, this is it because bargaining is the name of the game. So you'll have to put your haggling hat on. Also, the surrounding area uh, has plenty of cafes and dining options for when you're finished browsing the stalls. It is awesome. It is fun. Sometimes it is nothing but junk. Um, but that's not a bad thing because, I don't know, I always wind up coming home with junk. And my wife, I, I came home with this, uh, what the heck was it, this big flip-top chest that my wife hates and she's like oh i hate this thing originally a cat peed in it so i had to clean it out uh <laughs> now you know and uh, my wife as much as she hates it people always come over and go oh my gosh this is the most beautiful chest i've ever seen uh, which turns my wife's face red um and not with embarrassment so all right moving on we will go to the clock tower um now while in town uh, swing by Yafo Central Square, which is an amazing shopping district where you'll find this late Ottoman clock tower built in 1906, which was constructed out of limestone blocks to mark the 25-year jubilee of Ottoman Sultan Abdul Hamid II. It is a major landmark in Yafo and is worthy of a quick stop. The clock, though, this is so cool, is one of seven clock towers built during the Ottoman era in what would become the state of Israel. Um, of the original clocks, uh, six still stand and are keeping time to this day. How dope is that? That is so cool. Um, so next we'll move on to Hapiska Gardens. And these lovely and tranquil gardens have excellent views over to the city of Tel Aviv and across the Mediterranean Sea. In the garden, a wooden wishing bridge connects the lush green space with the center of Yafo. Um, excavation work by archaeologists in the area has discovered different historical area, eras of the city, um, including a six-meter-thick wall from the Hyksos period, 18th uh, to 16th century BCE, so that's a Greek period, and a town gate bearing the name of the Pharaoh Ramses II, 1290 to 1224 BCE. That's so crazy. You can literally touch that and you're touching something that someone thousands of years like chipped away. That is so, that blows my mind how you can bridge the gap of time like that. I'm going to have another sip of coffee. Give me one second. I love Yafo. Mm-mm-mm. So, what's next? Oh, the old Yafo Visitor Center. So, a visitor center and an archaeological site all in one. The old Yafo Visitor Center has set up shop in an ancient chamber off the main square where you can find information on tourist attractions and things to do in town. You can browse Greco-Roman ruins and take a look at the small museum all at the same time. Now, there's also a worthwhile audio-visual presentation here on Yafo's extremely long history. 
which gives an overall picture of the town and the major events that have shaped it across the centuries. Or you can listen to my history of Yafo. Uh, no, you should go there, though. That is a really great place. I went into there with my wife. It was amazing. And speaking of history, uh, the Great Mosque is there. And the Great Mosque, also called the Mahmoudie Mosque was built in several stages, So, but much of the construction you see today was carried out in the early 19th century by the Ottoman governor of Gaza and Yafo. Um, the most unique part of this building's architecture happened due to a mistake. I love this. Um, builders who were working on the mosque reused antique ancient Roman columns from the sites of Ashkelon and Kazaria. So they went to the ancient uh, sites of Ashkelon and Kazaria during construction, but mistakenly, when they installed them, they set them upside down with the capitals, which are the tops of the columns at the foot. So they're upside down columns in the Great Mosque. I think that's awesome. I think it's hilarious um, because... I don't know. It, it's, it would be the same thing for a cathedral if they put them in upside down. It, it's just, it's, no, I think it looks right. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, no, that looks perfect. And then find out 100 years later. Oh, crap. <laughs> so check it out. So next, um, I we have the Alana Gore Museum. And the Alana Gore Museum is located in the heart of Old Yafo in an impressive restored mid-18th century home that once served as a traveler's inn for pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem. Uh, the building, which is also the artist's home, uh, houses the collection of Ilana Gore, including sculptures, jewelry, furniture, and clothing, along with items she has collected over the years. The collection is eclectic and contains the artist's own work, which is very cool as well as artistic works from across the world and also the balcony offers amazing views of the sea <sighs> all right moving on what's next in yafo well it is saint peter's monastery now if you've ever been to the top that big church at the top of yafo right above the uh, the harbor is St. Peter's Monastery, and it is a Roman Catholic church built in Baroque style. It was constructed in the late 19th century on top of a 13th century crusader castle, which was in turn built on top of the original settlement's Acropolis. Now, today it is one of Yafo's most well-known landmarks. The name of the monastery is in honor of the Apostle Peter's visit to Yafo. Uh, from the courtyard here, a staircase leads down to the vaulted chambers of the Crusader Castle. That's so cool. The church is open daily to casual visitors, and although it is not particularly old, it's well worth viewing the interior. It's well worth viewing the interior decoration with its lemon and blue frescoed ceiling and a braj, which is my favorite restaurant on the planet, is right there and it's it's right next door so you definitely have to go to this site um all right next we have to bring you to the biggest thing and that is yafo's harbor and yafo has been a place of importance uh from the second millennium bce onwards and was once a major port as i told you for trading merchant vessels today it is not 
Oh, today it is a sleepy place for pleasure boats and little fishing vessels. Um, and it's a good place to come for photos, particularly in the early evening when the light is at its softest. Around the harbor are rocky cliffs where, according to Greek legend, Andromeda, the daughter of the mythical founder of the town, was chained until a release by Perseus. Now, that is the driest description of what is the most amazing one of the most amazing places in israel it is a beautiful walk there are seagulls everywhere you can see the water uh there's a big breakwater at the end of the harbor between the mediterranean and yafo there are restaurants all around all you can smell is amazing food if you don't get a picture there you're you you've wasted your trip it's absolutely amazing there are boat rides that you can get you can pay for a boat ride to go around the harbor and to see tel aviv and yafo from the uh mediterranean what else there's uh there's musicians all over the place there are crafts and stuff we have this beautiful hanging wind chime hamsa that we were able to get there it is one of the most beautiful places on the planet not just in israel but on the planet. All right, so is that the end? No, because what would my modern city be without me telling you about a beach if the city has it? Um, All right, so yes, Yafo does have a beach, and I am happy to tell you about it. Now, it is Givat Aliyah, um, a Jami beach, and this is a breathtakingly beautiful beach. Uh, white silky sand, turquoise water, amazing views, and one great restaurant facing the beach. Here you can find a mixed culture of locals uh, from Yafo, visitors from Tel Aviv that came here to escape, the and, and visitors uh, who came to escape Tel Aviv's hustle and bustle. So it's, it's, it's sort of a hidden gem. Now, if you're searching for a more private place on the beach, go to the southern part where you'll find a truly romantic strip. That's what it's written. Truly romantic strip. Um, Now, at the entrance of the Ajami Beach, there is an excellent Mediterranean restaurant, Cassis, and the two best things about this restaurant are the its location right on the beach um, and the delicious food, fresh fish and seafood coming directly from Yafo. The boats that come in, that bring in the fish, they Cassis serves them. So make sure you you go and definitely make sure you try to go at sunset. It's phenomenal. It is beautiful. So um yeah, that's it. That's Yafo. I love Yafo. There is so much more. I want to actually do an episode where I uh where I talk to you guys about the restaurants of Yafo because it's just out of control. The amount of food and amazing food that you can get is just redonkulous. Um, all right. Hey, that's it. Um, listen, if you like this episode, uh, hit the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell. Um, and if you want to take us with you, you can find us, as I said, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. As I said in the beginning, uh, this episode is brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards. The best way to learn Hebrew, the best way to brush up on Hebrew. Um, we have, I, 
I say I'm working on the verbs one. I didn't work on it last week. I'm going to have to work on it this week, which is fine. Um, but I just got back from Miami, and I'm feeling like I still want to be in Miami. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Um, also, if you want to check out our da, 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 children's book, my children's book, Who is a Jew?, which is a, uh, a wonderful bedtime story that tells your kids about how great it is to be Jewish. Um, you can find all of our flashcards and the children's book on Amazon and you can down and they're for Kindle and you can download the Kindle app uh, for uh, Android, iPhone, iPad, uh, PC and for Mac. And you can find the link down in the description. All right, that's it. Yalla bye. Oh, I said that horrible. Toraba, the itrod ve, yalla bye.